Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Shower Show. I'm your host, Brett Shower. In today's episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with Piqua Police Chief Rick Byron. In this episode, we hear how he came to the department, as well as the ins and outs of the office. I think with that, we are going to dive into this episode, so please join me in welcoming Rick Byron. Let's start with how you came to the police station. Can you explain that journey? How I came to the Pickle Police Department? Or actually, have you worked somewhere else before that? Yes. Okay. Let's actually start there then. It's actually a pretty interesting story, uh, for me anyway, and um, just the way careers can go in law enforcement. And I, uh, when I became interested in law enforcement, I worked up, or I lived up in Mercer County, Ohio, just north of here, about 45 minutes to an hour. I went through, I put myself through an academy and got my certificate. And in order to become a police officer, you got to be certified by a police department. So I actually joined a uh, Menden Police Department in uh, Mercer County where it's a, it was a volunteer position. I didn't mm-hmm. get paid, but I patrolled this small village and helped their one full-time employee who happened to be the chief of police. And then from there, I was just seeing if the career was for me. And right, um, right. I ended up moving into, after that, uh, two part-time positions in law enforcement mm-hmm. that were paid positions. And, uh, and again, small towns of Ohio City, Ohio, and then also Coldwater, Ohio. So uh, the position in Coldwater ended up going full-time. So I worked there for about two and a half years uh, before I moved to the Sheriff's Department in Mercer County. And how that transpired was uh, the chief of police in Coldwater became the sheriff. So when he became the sheriff, I followed him to his department and um, worked there for about a year and a half. And uh, the experiences I gained from each one of those departments in that progression uh, was invaluable to my career today. And um, because you, when you come from the very bottom and you, you try to work your oh, way up, right, right. you know, you, you can appreciate a lot more. Mm-hmm. While I was working at the sheriff's department, um, you know, it's a political position. It's a four-year term oh. and people come and yeah. go. And uh, the sheriff had... Uh, mentioned that he may be a one-term sheriff. So uh, he was sending me to D.A.R.E. school uh, to teach fifth grade D.A.R.E. up at uh, the schools in the county. While I was at the uh, D.A.R.E. school, my roommate happened to be an officer with the Pickle Police Department uh, and uh, who was a D.A.R.E. officer and a school resource officer at the junior high for a number of years. So in rooming with him, you know, we had about three weeks of opportunity to have conversations and during those conversations he told me about the pickle police department the pickle community and you know the opportunities that were available and uh after um that class i went back and started talking to family and uh made the decision to apply and and uh here i am Real quickly, I want to interrupt this conversation to tell you about the Goon Brothers. They are a nonprofit organization working to inspire unity and generosity in communities throughout the world. They are located right here in Tip City, Ohio. You guys, make sure to check them out, especially if you're interested in outreach or wanting to get involved in the community. They're doing some pretty awesome things. I will have all of their information linked in the description. As a way to say thank you for supporting both myself and the Goon Brothers, we are doing a cash giveaway. If you need a quick update on the rules, here's how to enter. First, follow The Shower Show and The Goon Brothers on Instagram. Second, I am releasing four episodes in the month of January every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Each episode, I am giving away four random words from a sentence that we have chosen. At the end of January, you'll have a complete sentence, albeit scrambled. 
first, second, and third person to solve it and send it to the Green Brothers will win a cash prize. To get the first four, go back and listen to the last episode with the Pink Ribbon Girls. Here are the next four words. Compassionate, is, most, and of. Now we are ready to get back into the conversation with Chief Rick Byron. And actually, I never really thought about the, like, the political aspect of it. Why is this like something you have to run for? The sheriff's department is the only thing that the, uh, the actual sheriff is a political position. But typically, um, you know, your sheriff is elected every four years, but a, a chief of police can either be promoted from within or they, can, oh, be, okay, they, they yeah. can be hired from the outside, depending on how your civil service rules are set up. So in PECWA, it's a, you get promoted from within uh, through a competitive process um, that's, you know, facilitated by the Civil Service Commission. So we're not elected and um, we don't have a term limit or anything like that. Oh, okay, so. gotcha. And then can you explain your specific duties as the chief of the police department? Well, you know, it's not a whole lot different than any other position in the department from patrol up. I mean, you still have, uh, you know, the same responsibilities. Um, but uh, obviously the traffic enforcement is far less than what it would be if you were in patrol. Right. And the budget preparation and analysis is a lot more mm-hmm. than it would be if you were in <laughs> patrol. But at the end of the day, we're police officers um, with the same basic responsibilities. Uh, but for me specifically, you know, I manage uh, the department as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I have three people that report to me directly, which are the deputy chiefs. And uh, those deputy chiefs, there's, we have three of them. One's over the administrative section, which includes the secretaries, the records clerks. He also does a lot of our grant writing, mm. uh, vehicle maintenance, building maintenance, manages those programs. So, um, And then we have a patrol uh, deputy chief who's responsible for making sure that the lieutenants and patrol officers are you know, handling complaints appropriately, documenting the complaints appropriately with reports, ID areas of concern in the city so that we can assign personnel if it's a traffic issue or a criminal issue. We can do some targeted enforcement. If it's a drug issue, we can watch particular houses. So they make sure that the calls are being responded to appropriately and documented appropriately and investigated appropriately. Um, And then we have an investigations uh, deputy chief. And the investigations deputy chiefs, you know, the detective section is their main responsibility. And they also, uh, you know, manage the evidence room, which is you know, you have to really uh, be tight with the management of that, of where things are mm-hmm, going and where sure. they came from. In the, the investigation section, they investigate major crimes, uh, such as homicides or rapes or child abuse. Um, some of those investigations are assigned to them because of the seriousness of them, but mm-hmm. sometimes it can be assigned to them because it's just a complicated matter. Right. If it's a jurisdictional issue where they may have to go to Columbus or Cleveland to, to speak to witnesses, it's harder for a patrol officer to do that. And then, of course, drugs investigations are, can be lengthy investigations. And mm-hmm. uh, overdoses can involve interviewing a number of people who don't want to be cooperative. So, you know, they'll speak to those people and uh, seek them out for interviews. But So those three deputy chiefs report to me directly. And, again, they each have their individual uh, responsibilities to manage the department as a whole. Yeah. You know, I deal with policy management to determine, one, what policy is needed uh, for a particular subject, such as use of force, pursuits, and so on. 
and then um, also to make certain that our policies are current with the, the times and the, the court cases. You know, Supreme Court gives a, uh, a new ruling, then we have to change our policy, then we need to make sure it's up to date. Oh, I never thought about that, yeah. So that uh, the officers can be trained and have a, right. a good understanding of what the expectation is. So, it, and that gets very complicated. And we use uh, Lexapol as a company we use that helps us with that. A uh, bunch of attorneys that get together to oh, review the case mm-hmm. law and review current trends in law enforcement and practices and, and put those policies together. And then it's up to us to review it and adopt it if it's relevant to our agency. Yeah. So, you know, you know, an example of when it wouldn't be is if if it's for, you know, the the management of a uh, air support team. We mm-hmm. don't have helicopters. We don't have planes. So we don't need that policy. Right. But I deal with the management of that policy. And then uh, the other thing I do is the hiring and promotion processes to determine what those processes look like and uh, and how they're carried out. And that's along with human resources. They obviously assist uh, and really lead that uh, process, both of those processes. So uh, we do an interview at the final stage where the city manager and myself uh, – and human resources uh, sit down and interview these uh, candidates and make a, a decision from there. And then along after you hire people and then people that you currently have on your staff, you know, you have to evaluate not only their performances, but their assignments to make sure that they're, um, we have people assigned where they need to be to carry out whatever the uh, task is for that day, right. whether it's traffic enforcement again, or, or just answering calls for service if you don't have enough personnel. Um, evaluate our equipment needs and the maintenance of them to make sure that they're all functioning properly. Uh, and then also training evaluations. Uh, are we giving the officers the best training that we can to help them perform their job as professionally as they can? So it's another part of my responsibility. Probably not the uh, easiest or the funnest uh, to carry out discipline, sure. you know, so that's mm-hmm. part of it. Uh, and then you deal with the media releases and requests, uh, public records requests, um, things like that. As I previously mentioned, budget preparation and analysis goes into part of that and working with other departments in creating that such as finance right um and then we also collaborate with you know like street department for weather events or um water and and sanitation and everything so you know i can be the liaison to those other department heads uh, to carry out help them carry out their functions if we need to provide traffic and control or or some assistance in in a way and how large, like, is the department? Like, can you give it a name and number? Yeah, we have, uh, we are authorized at 35 sworn personnel. Okay. We're currently at uh, 33. Mm. Uh, we got two openings. And then we uh, we have three civilian employees. And then how do you fill those two open positions? Our process is uh, very structured. You have to go to the National Testing Network website where you can take a, a test and you have to register with the website to take the exam. They then forward the test results to us, and there's a window of opportunity to do that. Um, once we get those results, they're ranked, and then we we take in the top, typically the top 10, top 15 uh, people from that list will be called in to take a physical agility test. Oh, sure. And then they'll also be asked to take a behavioral uh, analysis um, to see if they're fit for not only the job but for this department and once they've done that they complete an application through HR um, then when that's completed they we do an extensive background investigation on them that can include finances 
criminal history, relationships, uh, things like that. Once that's completed, we do a pre-employment CVSA, which is a voice stress analysis, lie detector test, if you oh, will. Right. And then the uh, next step is of the top, again, depending on number of positions we have, won't maybe the top five get an interview with me and the HR uh, director and, and city manager. And then from that, those interviews will typically make a uh, what we call conditional offer of employment. Once we've made a conditional offer, that is based on the condition that you pass a polygraph exam. Again, another lie detector test that if it's a post-offer uh, polygraph, you can ask questions that you can't ask in a pre-employment polygraph. Oh, so that's yeah, why you yeah. do two of them. Um, and then they have to pass a medical exam and physical and then also a psychological exam. And if they successfully complete those three, then they get brought on. Now, uh, to your point about who we hire, if that person is not certified, we will then send them to an academy. It's a paid uh, academy that they'll go to. They'll get paid while they're there. And um, upon completion of it, then they come back to a field training program and then hit the road. If they're already certified, they still have to go through a field training program, but they obviously they don't have to go to the academy, which could be anywhere from 18 to 24 weeks. And, and one of the questions I had um, now is, is there like a, is there like a ranking system? Establish order of promotion? Uh, you mean rank structure? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have uh, police officers, and then we have detectives. Okay. And police officers and detectives are of the same rank. Even though they're called detectives, their investigations are in plain clothes, they're still police officers. So that's not a promotion. But then the next rank up is lieutenant, and uh, lieutenant supervises the frontline uh, officers or the, the other detectives within the section. So we have five lieutenants one for each patrol shift and one for the detective section. And then the next highest rank would be the deputy chiefs, which I described to you that uh, oh, yeah, manage sure. the patrol, the investigations and administration. And then there's me, the chief of police. So that's our rank structure. Yeah, it wasn't sure how that worked because I had saw several different things thrown out and I was like, hmm, I don't know how that all fits in. So um, I saw that you were at one time the leader of like the crisis negotiation team as w and the tactical response team. Can you break those down and tell us a little bit more about them? Uh, really, the tactical response team, you know, is just a, we're, they're police officers that who receive specialized training to handle uh, serious uh, events generally with a high risk concern. So we send in especially trained officers to go in and handle these things such as high-risk drug search warrants where weapons, the subjects of the investigation are known to carry weapons or have a violent history uh, with law enforcement. We would, rather than send in a, a uniformed officer, we'll send in a specialized team with specialized equipment to go in and secure the scene and make it safe for the detectives then to come in and search. Oh, so mm -hmm. the tactical response team, we're with PICMA Sydney tactical response team, so we're a combined team. We provide eight officers, they provide eight officers and we work together to accomplish uh, whatever the mission might be. As far as the negotiator uh, position, each side has a hostage negotiator uh, that's trained in negotiations. And, you know, in, that, in a particular case, if it's a barricaded subject with a hostage, then we try to negotiate with that individual, obviously for the safe release of the person. Also, you know, if you have a, a suspect who is barricaded into a residence in a high-stress situation and they're, you know, if they're making suicidal comments or they're oh. making comments that mm -hmm. they're not coming out unless we shoot them, then we would still have that negotiator, even though there's not a, even though there's not a hostage right. in there, yeah. 
we still care about the safety of that individual too so we want them to come out as peacefully as they can not only for our safety but for their safety as well so we would negotiate with them and we recently had one of those situations up in sydney where our current hostage negotiator uh, was successful in talking a subject out of the house who was saying that he was going to be he was going to commit suicide so very important positions they're our teams are part-time teams. They're not full-time uh, tactical response teams like you have in the big cities, but they're highly trained and uh, highly motivated and uh, very competent to take care of any situation that uh, comes up, and I have every bit of confidence in their abilities. And does that training occur here, or do they go somewhere else to receive it? Both. Okay. Um, the tactical response team trains eight hours a month locally. Mm-hmm. But also throughout the year, we send them to other specialized trainings that could be at the Ohio Police Officer Training Academy. Uh, it could be anywhere in the country, really. It just depends on what the topic is and what's available. And can like anyone, okay, I'm going to share my ignorance here, but can any officer choose to be on that or do they, are they picked for that? They're picked. It's, okay. uh, there is criteria. Uh, generally, it's you, you have to have five years of experience on the department before you can even be considered. Uh, we adjust that accordingly depending on interest and, and uh, availability. So we've had it where we've reduced it to three. Um, but they, they show an interest, and then they go through a, um, a tactical response team testing process mm-hmm. that's pretty demanding of them physically, mentally, and emotionally. And then it's an eight-hour process. And um after that, once they've had all the stress that they can handle for the day, they have to sit down for an interview with the team leader. And to be mentally focused after that physical demand of the PT test, it's difficult. And then from there, they, they're they scored and they get ranked. And then it's a recommendation comes from the tactical team commander to me as to who should be put on and who shouldn't be based on the number of positions that are available. So it's a selection process and it's very uh, intensive. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not sure if you can say, speak to this, but can you tell us what a typical day looks like? For an officer? Yes. You know, each, every day's different, obviously, right, yeah. and, and everybody knows that. But, you know, to start out a typical day for a police officer at, at the Pickwell Police Department, they have a shift briefing at the beginning of their shifts. And our officers work 12-hour shifts, so they either work 6A to 6P or okay. 6P to 6A. And then we also have a cover shift that's 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. to cover the, the changes. Oh, right. And there's more calls for service during the 4P to 4A time. So anyway, they come in and they do a shift briefing where they, you know, they get an update of what happened the previous shifts mm-hmm. when they weren't working. They get a chance to, you know, interact with each other and get, get ready, get prepared for the day. And then from there, they have to go out and inspect their cars to make sure that it's, you know, clean. It's got the proper equipment in it. Everything's functioning. You got an AED. You got your weapons. Uh, it's got your paperwork ready for the day and safety equipment, stuff like that. You know, they respond to any call for service that they get. There are self-initiated activities that they could get involved in, such as security checks of businesses or homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be traffic enforcement. It could be uh, warrant arrests. They can go out looking for people that have warrants. Um, you know, they may have to do follow-up investigations for previously reported complaints, and that could be an interview. It could be to collect evidence. It could be doing surveillance to see who's coming and going from a particular location. You know, they have court appearances throughout the day, possibly. Uh, Could be have to do training sessions. You could come into work today and be told that you're going to go give a presentation at a certain location, you know, typically on a topic maybe that you have a greater interest in Mm -hmm. or a better understanding of. 
And then, you know, the biggest, probably the most important part is report writing. You know, you do have to complete the reports. And, you know, that's important because those courts are present, those reports are part of your preparation for court mm -hmm. if you file a charge. So, you know, for them to be accurate and detailed uh, is important. So, so that as a police officer, you know, that's really, it sounds, you know, very simple, but that is the... Yeah, Actually, it doesn't. Yeah. It sounds like quite a bit. It is. And then so. you're, you know, you're checking emails, mm -hmm. you're checking phone messages, you're being flagged down by citizens out on the street. And again, you don't, you never know what direction you're going to be sent in, but it really is a rewarding career. And when you get done after a day's work, you f you're pretty proud of what you've accomplished mm -hmm. and, uh, and how it's gone uh, generally. So I've always wondered this. What do they have? What do they carry on their belt? You know, we carry extra ammunition, carry our mace carry tasers, uh, we carry the handcuffs, carry an ASP, uh, your firearm, uh, flashlight, uh, flashlight holders, you know, that's generally what you find on a duty belt. And we carry an ex exterior vest uh, that can take some of that weight off of your duty belt, which can help with the hips as you get older. Uh, so that some of that equipment could be on their weight bearing vest as well. You know, notebooks, pens. Uh, it's it's basically your your desk. It's your office. So so it's it's like not mandatory that you have A, B, and C items on you. Yes. Or, okay. So yeah. it is. Is there anything that you would change or maybe make an update? Uh, you know, we evaluate that on a daily basis. And 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 again, as you asked, we we do re everything that I'd mentioned. There is a requirement. What is not a requirement is except for your firearm and your taser. We do not dictate where you put anything else at, oh. you know, mm -hmm. through years of experience and just knowing how things work best, we'll make recommendations or the other officers will make recommendations to each other, but they can put it anywhere they want other than their firearm and other than their taser. You'll find that a lot of them are the same, but yeah. a few people, are, you know, you could be left-handed, right-handed, that might change right. things up and, and everything. And your go-to piece of equipment may be different than somebody else's. So, And then do all of the officers wear a body cam? Yes. Okay. That's a requirement. And like, when did that happen? Or because I feel like I was looking into some research and I saw I don't know I forget when like what the dates were on the articles, but relatively recently or. Uh yeah, I would say, and I I don't know the exact dates to be honest with you. Right. I would say five to six years, at the uh, la at the latest. Yeah, could have been a little bit longer. Now for the Pickle Police Department, again, I got hired in 1999 here, and mm -hmm. when I got hired. We had in-car cameras then, and we had a shoulder mic that would record any audio conversation that uh -oh. we had out on the street. Mm -hmm. So we've always had a recording of our interactions. Now, it wasn't until recently that we got the body cams. That So now we have in-car cameras. Now we have body cameras as well. So we've always had the ability to record. Now we can just do it with video. So currently, it seems that the public has somewhat of a strained relationship with law enforcement. Has it always been this way or has it changed within the last few years? It comes and goes. Uh, through my career, we've had uh, periods where, you know, after 9-11, for example, everybody loved the police and fire departments. Oh, mm -hmm. So you have situations that occur around the country when that becomes, you know, uh, a, a positive interaction for police and fire. And then you have situations that are occurring today around the country with use of force situations and, and uh, you know, Police specifically, uh, you know, go through a rough time where we're not the most popular 
you know, profession in the, in the country. So that will always go up and down with our support. But I will say that in my time here in the city of Piqua, we've always enjoyed a great working relationship with our public, and we try to assist uh, everyone to the best of our mm -hmm. ability. And we've always received a great deal of support from citizens, businesses alike. So, so we've been very fortunate with that, and we hope to maintain that and continue that in the future. So, again, you know, we have officers. Obviously, we we watch the news, we listen to yeah. the radio. Uh, 12 hours a day. Um, <laughs> so you're listening to what's going on. So you, you know what it, the issues are. And that can weigh on you because mm -hmm. you don't know the next person you come in contact. Are they somebody that supports you? Or are they somebody that's against you? And, um, and again, and so you have to keep in mind that, you know, we're not working in Wisconsin. We're not working in, in this, in these areas where these uh, incidents are occurring. Mm -hmm. And we have to make sure that we understand how we treat our citizens uh, will determine how they support us and so we need to make sure that you know we keep that uh, context to the idea that you know hey that we're important to them they're important to us and let's have mutual respect and treat people with respect regardless of why we're in contact with them so and again we've greatly uh, uh, appreciate that support yeah well it sounds good to me you've got 100 percent of my support so and for anyone thinking of becoming an officer what pieces of advice do you have for them you know I, that was one I had to think about a lot because, you know, you can, you have to really get to understand uh, what the profession is before you dip your toes into it. Um, because everything that you see on TV and how things are investigated and how the response to a particular call for service is, is all Hollywood. So, yeah. you know, it's not action packed. 24 seven, there are nights where you will go 12 hours and you won't get a call for service. It's very rare, but it can happen mm -hmm. on a holiday like Christmas night. You, you can be, it can be awful quiet out there. So you have to be able to entertain yourself for 12 hours. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got to kind of uh, get a, a true feeling of it. You can do that through a ride along with the department. So, you know, part of that advice to me is, is to, to, to research the department you're interested in and, Talk to the officers mm -hmm. that are currently on that department, maybe do a ride along uh, to kind of get a better feel of exactly what a day looks like for a police officer in that community. You know, another thing is you need to talk to your family, uh, you know, depending on how old you are, if you're married and have kids, uh, you're going to miss a lot of birthdays. You're going to miss some holidays because we work 24 seven and there's no breaks for for the holidays or birthdays. So talk to your family and make sure they understand what that demand is for scheduling. Now, in our department, we work a 12 hour shift. So how that works is you get every other weekend off Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, mm -hmm, sure. Well, most officers and, and departments, they may work almost every weekend. Mm -hmm. And as, when you first get hired, you work second and third shifts primarily. It could take your whole, almost your whole career to get moved to day shift. But on our department, again, we work a 12-hour shift, so you get every other weekend off to spend with your family. We rotate from days to nights every eight weeks, so you may be on days for eight weeks and then on nights for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So you get an opportunity to spend different times of the day with your family. So it, it is really uh, uh, you know, a great benefit for people on our department to have those weekends off and time away. So you know, talk to your family so that they understand what the demand is and the requirements for the job. Very good. Well, I think we're going to end it here. So thank you so much for sitting down with me. I think this really opened my eyes up to a world I was pretty oblivious to, and I know it's going to do the same for others. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, and thank you. 
just a wonderful person. If you're interested in any of these topics or want to know more about the Pickwood Police Department, I'll have their website linked in the podcast description. Additionally, if you want to check out the Goon Brothers, I'll have all of their socials linked down below. Lastly, you can find me at The Shower Show, and that is S-C-H-A-U-R-E-R, or you can contact me at theshowershow at gmail.com. I think that's it for me today. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will see you back here again next Tuesday.